thanks, Paul, for joining today. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to, to have a chat. So welcome. Um, Happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. So you are, for, uh, you work at Denison University, is that right? In Ohio? I do. Yeah, in central Ohio. That's right. How are you finding that? Do you like it working there? I do. It's an excellent college and we have wonderful students to work with and I get some freedom to, to work on my research. And so it's a great combination for me. Yeah. So your area of research, really, it's, you're a political scientist, but I guess you specialize really talking about um, religion and politics and where the two kind of come together and all those kind of facets. So what, what is it that got you interested in that, you know, particular subject? Well, my, my joke is, uh, is that I have nothing to say at dinner parties because of what I specialize in. So maybe it's just a, it's a defense yeah. <laughs> mechanism for introverts. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true because I mean, people just put these categories and say, you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that, but well, is there anything left to talk about? Yeah. Right. Uh, never well, get these the days, uh, religion and politics really seems to infuse almost everything including including pandemic politics and and everything in between so uh i I find that we almost can't escape it but the to to get back to your original question the the thing that really got me interested well there's a number of things but um my family uh has uh, quite a bit of of religion uh in it and my grandfather was a pastor and several of my uncles are pastors and um and on the other side on my dad's side there was at least one that founded a, a church community in a small town in mm-hmm. in very rural Michigan and so there was quite a lot of religion but it but it really didn't take in me uh, my uncle joked that I wasn't held under the baptismal fount long enough <laughs> <laughs> yep not and so uh... Just yeah. didn't, get, didn't get enough coverage, they say. Right. Some right. people say if, you, if there's a toe that doesn't get baptized, then it doesn't count. <laughs> well, it's probably probably more than that in my case. But um, <laughs> so so there was, you know, at, at some point you sort of want to understand where you came from and mm-hmm. and uh, what what it all sort of means. And and in college, that that kind of came home for me. Um, but also had some really excellent professors. One in particular in, in college, my undergraduate institution that studied religion and politics, and I thought it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. It was also the last kind of way I, I think about it is um, it was a really uh, wonderful place for me to study social influence. I think I think of congregations as kind of tiny societies mm-hmm. that have leaders and followers and beliefs and values and and all sorts of interesting social dynamics. So I tend to approach religion and politics in some ways as is thinking about um, as an analogy for the way that society mm-hmm. works as well. The microcosm as such. Yeah, exactly right. And it's interesting. I mean, you said there about pandemic politics. You see religion in that somehow. Is that you? Can you see the, all the places that, you know? I, I know there's the the more obvious ways that you might see religion getting involved in American politics, particularly. But I guess to the innocent bystander, you might not see religion playing a part in pandemic politics. So, from from this, then do you, do you have? Can you see influences of religion that maybe others might miss if they didn't look hard enough? Absolutely. Um, in fact, we just published a piece in in a journal about the role of the prosperity gospel in shaping reactions to uh, to the way that the, the American states tried to intervene and um, mm-hmm. public health measures and all sorts of things. Um, you can see wow. that that. So what? There's a lot of things to unpack there that we that we might yeah. might talk about a little bit. Uh, it's a quite a quite a loaded sentence. Um, but just first to think about what the prosperity gospel is. The, these are folks that. Um, are taught and then believe that if they express enough belief 
um, yes. in God that they'll they'll return back um, both health and wealth and other things that they they might desire. So there's really tangible, mm-hmm. physical kinds of returns to religious belief here um, uh, here on Earth. Yes. And so that that plays out obviously if it, if health is a component of that. Um, then you would see that, that um, say, if, if a doctor is trying to intervene and say that you need to do, do something like wear a mask or mm-hmm. distance yourself from others, that, that some of these believers might say, no, my, my faith is, is sufficient. I, I just believe in Jesus, and, and that's, he's going to take care of me. In fact, there was a really interesting little clip on uh, CNN here in the mm-hmm. United States where a woman was headed off. This was after my state of Ohio was closed, closed down. We were told us to stay at home and not go out and avoid gatherings of more than six people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she was going to a very large church gathering and, and when interviewed said, no, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go and that'll, yeah. that's going to protect me from the, from the coronavirus. Um, and so that kind of belief is, is pretty widespread. Um, there's a, there's a lot of Americans that believe that they're going to get tangible material benefits from Mm -hmm. their religious belief. And of course, because of, uh, the nature of, you know, you need a coordinated response to beat back the coronavirus, which the U S has proven itself incapable of doing. Um, and part of that has to be, has to be religious belief given, uh, given the way that it's played out. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to be upfront. I'm coming. I'm looking at things. I guess I am a Christian myself. I see things through that lens. Um, but to me, it's disturbing in ways to see. I guess how things are misinterpreted as you know. It's it's you know you don't get this uh, protective cover. You know, invisible protective covering necessarily from things like viruses. You know, that's not a given. <laughs> and I understand absolutely. You know, people praying for protection from those sorts of things. But if you don't take the basic steps, you know, you would think that even religious people might assume that uh, God's kind of face palming a little bit whenever he sees you, <laughs> you know, just not taking the basic precautions. And um, to me, like that's, it's, it's definitely interesting things. It's, I was sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, well, one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested to study here and I have a couple of grants um, trying to get some money to do some more surveys is to see if, if some of these beliefs have taken a hit um, because of the coronavirus. So there's, there's lots of uh, mm. congregations that stayed open. And of yes. course, a lot of the hot spots that have popped up in the United States have been, <clears throat> been congregations, um, you know, choirs and this sort of mm-hmm. thing that just, it rapidly spreads. Um, so, you know, even those that, that espoused a prosperity gospel view really pivoted quickly um, once, you know, their congregation or they themselves were hit by um, hit by the virus. Okay, so, so, so I wonder so if, you know, people, over the past couple of months, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say people seeing then the effect on their congregation, you, there's, they have then come to the realization of, of the seriousness you would say, or yeah, is that, is that what's sort of coming to light? Cause I wasn't sure if people would then double down and be more. Right. Know, I guess it's, it's when you see people getting sick and even getting hospitalized, of course it'll, it'll bring it home. But you know, part of me wondered if you've gone that far, will you just sort of go completely down the road until you know oh well it's, it'll get them but it'll not get me you know right right well you know these are great hypotheses and and hopefully i get to be able to test them in the next Absolutely. couple of months but it's a you know we just don't get these kind of opportunities very much where everybody's responding to the same thing and mm-hmm. you know the 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 kind of intervention here of the virus really cuts through these beliefs you know it just doesn't spare anybody if if it's gonna if you're exposed to it so um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a terrible time for the world and especially right now for the United States, but 
also for social scientists, it's an unparalleled opportunity to study some of these things. Yep. They're, they're all on the surface. That's a um, scenario that, that only comes around, you know, I think it'll come around more often in the next century than the, <laughs> than the last, but you know, sometimes it can only come along once in a, in a century, these kind of. Let, let's hope that it's a one in a, one in a century, but, uh, <laughs> but I think crossed. you're right. I think where it's going to be more common. Well, I saw that article, it was on the BBC yesterday. I don't know how the coverage in the USA, but they've already found the next potential. I saw that. <laughs> and right. I mean, unless something's done about this, how these originate, and I don't know whether it's the markets or the, the meat, but whatever way, whatever's happening in China seems to be, you know, causing, it's almost incubating these, these terrible viruses and diseases. And like, unless you deal with the root cause, like it's going to happen more and more often. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> at the very least, we need to maintain our international institutions that, that are continuing to do research in places where these are likely to pop up. Um, mm-hmm. So at least we know it's coming and can can start to plan for it. But uh, you're mm-hmm. right. There's probably some some world conditions and and uh, that probably can be addressed. Uh, I'm not I ready s- to go for the conspiracy theory quite yet. That somebody's somebody's behind it. Yeah. But <laughs> a few more cases and you'll start to doubt. Yeah, if, if <laughs> well, it happens we'll every couple of years. Uh, we'll so see. assume assume you were kind of hinting there at the World Health Organization and and um, I suppose you know the president's had his own views on that. And I mean to me. <laughs> Some are understandable, understandable concerns in terms of holding people to account. But um, I mean, I guess you can draw parallels to church culture somehow in this and that there's often a lot of, uh, you know, some people will just sort of jump off the ship and say, right, well, uh, we're not taking part. It's not, you're not taking care of us. So we want no part of it rather than perhaps staying for the reform. And I guess maybe that's, it sort of represents a consumeristic culture of, of today that where if something's not serving your immediate needs, then it's deemed not worthy of uh, of any attention. But I assume you have views then on how the president has uh, reacted, you know, especially. Well, with- you know, I, in theory, I think you're right. I mean, they're holding, holding uh, members accountable seems like a good idea and making sure everybody contributes and that sort of thing. Um, you know, the United States has has really helped push some international organizations and been a large backer for a long time. And, you know, it obviously suits all of our needs to to do that. And I think, you know, because the United States is a pretty wealthy nation that it should contribute more probably than than others do, especially because of uh, our, our impact, the United States impact on the world in terms of trade and lots of other things, good and bad. Um, yeah, no, I have pretty strong views about about what the president has done, and I think it's disastrous. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that many of these decisions, whether it's his talk about NATO or, or the WHO or what have you, is really grounded much in evidence, but really in just these kind of gut feelings. Um, and strange too that he's going after these ins- cooperative institutions that you know the United States was involved in in founding. Um, you know, and, and then and then being soft on on who our former enemies or competitors, strong competitors were. Um, that's you know, it's really difficult to to take. But uh, there's an election soon, and hopefully, the United States goes a different direction and starts to rebuild some yep. of these things. I don't know that that has much to do with religion. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, aside aside from the fact that I think uh, you know some would rather have more insulation from these kind of broader institutions than, than, uh, than cooperation and deference and, and working with, um, you know, there's, there's that, that sort of insulation that's provided from not having to work with others. So you can just maintain your beliefs and, and, uh, without real consequence. Yeah. So it's, it's fair to say then that, uh, 
you probably won't be voting for the president come the next election then. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll keep that one to myself, but uh, I'll, I'll tr- uh, I know. tried to trip you up. There I follow, and... <laughs> I follow the evidence where it needs to, where it needs to go. Um, that's, that's and that sometimes is, you know, in favor of, of religion. And sometimes it makes religion look a little bit bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just follow the evidence wherever it might, it might go. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's been a, a trying time for, uh, people, well, everyone across the world, but I mean, especially I guess in the faith community and, and Christians are having, it seems they're having a real tough time. One of the things that inspired me to start this series of podcasts was issues such as um, the president holding up the, the Bible, you know, things like this are dividing Christians in a way that I, I don't think I've ever seen. Well, at least in my lifetime, I'm only 23. I've only seen a handful of presidents, but um, I, I've, it's dividing Christians in a way that perhaps, you know, I didn't see this kind of division over many things that Obama did, other than, I guess, the obvious faith issues of um, of gay rights and abortion and things like that. But Christians were more unified on the whole against, you know, they had a, a, a more cohesive opinion on those issues, whereas, you know, a lot of things Donald Trump does seems to split people right down the middle. Is that what your research is finding, that he's, uh, he's dividing uh, he's... the religious types? Or is, do you find that and you, no matter what he does, more people are actually you standing with him, no matter what. Yeah, it's that's that's pretty complex, and there's a lot there's a lot going on there. Um, and I would say first that that Donald Trump is really um, a a fullest expression of the divisions, partly among among Christians, but in American society, that's mm-hmm. been developing for a very long time. Um, and so part of that is is the the split into kind of a conservative camp and a liberal camp that I've just I was just reading about the decline of denominationalism in the United States. And so United States used to be divided Protestant versus Catholic versus Jew. Mm-hmm. And eventually some of those divisions started to melt so that the yes. divisions really were a conservative camp that had Christians and uh, Protestants and Catholics and Jews and whoever happened to be in that camp versus a liberal set. Um, that had Catholics and it had Protestants and, mm-hmm. and, and others. Is this more as the primary thing that's dividing people? And people obviously still have these identities and labels they'll go by. But as in, do you, would you say then politics now in terms of conservative liberal is becoming the main thing that people are divided by rather than religious things? Is that what you're trying to say then in terms of politics? Is the yeah, main? That's, that's where I'm driving. Yeah, is that it, it's it's really kind of collapsed into... You know, if there's two kind of primary camps within religion, American mm. religion, um, those pretty easily mapped onto the, the political party system. And so you have Republicans who are fairly dyed in the wool mm-hmm. um, and the same thing with Democrats. And they tend to, to askew anything that's associated with the other party. There's not a lot of uh, inner party dialogue, people willing to switch parties mm-hmm. um, at this point. So, so Donald Trump is really a full expression of that and, of course, exploits it at, yeah. at every opportune moment. Um, you know, so I take issue a little bit with with saying that that uh, this division is new, um, and I, I don't think that there was a lot of unity, um, even looking you know back at Barack Obama's presidency or, mm-hmm. or before that. I mean, those divisions were were quite deep um, at that point, um, mm-hmm. and fairly polarized about some of those issues that you're you're mentioning about abortion and and gay rights and and other things. But the other thing that was really important in Obama's uh, tenure, of course, was the politics of race. And I think that American religion is deeply divided about the politics of race, too. Um, so, you know, at this point, uh, there, for instance, just did some research about 
whether um, people believe that Donald Trump is anointed, anointed by God. Yes, to I, I read a little bit. I think there was an article on uh, on your website or one of the links you had, and I read a little yeah. bit of your write-up. But if, if you wouldn't mind then explaining sort of some of the findings that you were you're getting from that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so not that long ago, this is last year, early last year, 2019, um, some political leaders started to use this language that Donald Trump was anointed by God to be president, had a special role to play, was perhaps a modern incarnation of, of King Cyrus, who was not Christian, but was, was uh, chosen by God in, in their estimation to help Christians, to protect Christians. So anyway, there was a number of different ways of conceptualizing this, but but um, the idea was that that God had chosen Donald Trump, uh, perhaps the perhaps the imperfect vesicle, mm-hmm. vessel that he was, but he was here to to protect Christians against a, a growing threat. Um, so so people like the former governor Rick Perry were using this. Um, Paula White, who's the who's a very famous um, Pentecostal preacher, she has her own TV show, very large congregation in Florida. Um, she was using this language and others were. And so we were really curious if this was starting to penetrate into the, into the public. In an early 2019, we found about 20% of, of Americans and about 50% of, of Pentecostal um, believers thought that he was, he was anointed by God. And we did the survey again in, in 2020 and found that that had really increased. So upwards of 50% of uh, frequently attending uh, uh, believers mm-hmm. of any kind believe that Donald Trump was a, was anointed by God. We also asked if all presidents were anointed by God, because the general idea yeah. here is that they believe that uh, God is active in the world, that everything is flowing according to God's plan. God is in charge, this sort of thing. And that, of course, logically means that all presidents are part of God's plan. But it was much, much lower when we when we suggested that Barack Obama was anointed, too. So you know, I mean, it, part of part of that's a party, but the other part is is difficulty swallowing that a black man could be anointed by God to be their president. So, okay, so you think race played a part in that anointing? Quite a bit. Okay, quite a bit. Um, there's there's a variety of new books that are coming out. One by Robbie Robbie Jones of PRI. Um, if you can, I think you should check that out. It should mm-hmm. be out pretty soon. Um, but just talking about the deep racial divisions. Um, that have that have been in place in American religion over a very long time now, okay. um, and so that continues to play out now. Yeah, I I would have thought. I mean, I, I guess not being an American, you know, I, I don't know as much as someone that's steeped in the cult in that culture. But I would have assumed the opposition to Obama, as well as race, which may play have played a part. I would have assumed that it would have been um, on political grounds, and you would have heard. I've heard a lot of people at the time saying. Oh, you know, that's the Westboro Baptist Church kind of thing of Obama's the Antichrist and he's come to, to ruin America. He's come, you know, he's going to seek a third term and then we'll know he's, you know. So these are the things that were coming, you know, coming out. But then I guess, you know, you, you don't hear the same people then coming out against anything that, that Donald Trump has done. That's, you know, you could argue a lot of things he's done are very much against biblical values. So it's definitely, I mean, it's an interesting thought to think that race would have played more of a part than I would have assumed in that. Um, 
it's definitely an interesting thought. I wouldn't have assumed that race would have had as big an impact as you, as you were saying. Well, you could, you can, you can pivot and think about um, really any sort of minority group or or unrepresented group in politics. Mm -hmm. And so one interesting little anecdote that's popping up now is if you go to Trump rallies, you'll find um, plenty of paraphernalia, you know, t-shirts and hats and flags and whatever um, that still references Hillary Clinton but almost none of it at this point uh, talks about Joe Biden. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's you know, part of it is probably just a overstock. They have a lot of things that they need to move mm-hmm. still yeah. before they pivot. Um, but perhaps the other side of this too, is that, you know, Joe Biden's a white guy um, and Hillary Clinton is not a white guy. Uh, certainly Barack Obama is not, not a white guy. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I mean, I, I definitely like, I understand that, the dilemma that um, was presented at the last election, not necessarily on, I mean, to me, it wouldn't have mattered if the race or our gender of, of any of the candidates, but I think for sure, like in my opinion, the Americans were presented with two, uh, two options that were, that had their cons in, in different places, you know, and, and there was definitely, I mean, I know that uh, my wife's family and people around had a decision to make in terms of who was the least worst, candidate and this is something you hear very often and i guess in this election as well you're seeing a similar from a lot of people a similar uh, problem where who's the least worst is it joe biden who you know he, uh, just from the virtue of being old is having you know difficulty in some times keeping up with the pace and then you've got donald trump with his obvious flaws so um do you would you see that you know especially in the church community are the majority in your opinion blind followers of donald trump or are they maybe least worst types where they're picking trump over because of the policy agenda perhaps that he might have no this is this is the frequent refrain is that they they pick donald trump because of um, abortion and judges Mm -hmm. so because he was pro-life and because he was going to pick judges that were also pro-life and and had this strict kind of sense of what the constitution would permit that they were Mm going to go with someone who was a you know a flawed flawed vessel um, but there's there's a couple of things that lead me to sort of reject that that view that it was really just the kind of holding their nose and voting for something they otherwise wouldn't choose. Um, and one is that when you ask them if they liked Donald Trump, um, they they did, and they feel quite warmly toward Donald Trump. Okay. Um, he gets he gets very high kind of warmth ratings um, from from uh, evangelical Christians. And so that's that's one thing. And, you know, if they were really holding their nose, they could say, you know, I really don't like this guy, mm-hmm. but I'm going to support him anyway. And that's mm-hmm. that's not what they're doing. And the other one is um, the degree to which they've really changed some core values in order to support Donald Trump. And so this it's a, one of the more dramatic changes I've seen in, in polling um, over a fairly short period of time. So 2011, um, Americans were asked if... Um, a politician who has committed immoral acts in their personal life mm-hmm. could be ethical in their public behavior. So could they still be a good public servant effectively, even though they've been immoral in their mm-hmm. personal life? And so there was, there was no, at 2011, there was no sense that this was, this is about Donald Trump. This is about yeah. something else. Um, and evangelical Christians were the most, the strongest adherents against that vision as you would assume yeah as you would assume that's kind of the core of of what they're about you have mm-hmm. to be pure in your heart in order to be uh, you know a, a good a good citizen right it comes from the inside out by 2016 they were the most fervent 
adopters of that view. The people who had changed the most. They went to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. It was something like 20% in support in 2011 to like 60 or 70% in support in in 2016. Has the change in that, do you think, due to the uh, charisma, uh, as you might say, of Donald Trump? Or is it uh, for other reasons? You know, what what would cause such a drastic change? Is it is yeah. there an element of of nose holding, whereas they're just unwilling to admit that they were, you know, that, that maybe they said, sure. oh, I'll never never vote for anyone like that, but now they feel a bit sheepish about saying, well, okay, well, I've kind of had to do it, but now I'm just gonna, you know, come out in full support. You know, what's what? I su- I suppose. I mean, I I would just, you know, it's. Um, at least one really long observer, older observer of, of evangelicals, he was studying them in his, his entire life. Once he mm-hmm. saw this, this result, he said, I just, I don't know anything about this group anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, this is, this is the thing for somebody that studies religion and politics, you say, well, there's some core values and everything else emanates mm-hmm. from that. And that's kind of the point of studying religion and politics is that, you know, you can study these things and therefore gain yep. a rational understanding of you get of to the know group. the groups you're studying. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Um, so, you know, none, none of us expected to see this, this kind of turn. And, and I think mm. you have to go to the kinds of explanations that you're offering, which is to think that, you know, this is this is an internal defense mechanism that I needed. I made this decision, I maybe I'm, I'm ashamed of it, who knows, mm-hmm. um, but I need to find some kind of way to justify it and protect myself from uh, from that kind of scrutiny, so mm-hmm. so perhaps this this is that sort of that sort of thing. But to see that that kind of rejection of what what was understood to be at the core of, yeah. of a belief system is just just incredible. Well, yeah, from a Christian perspective, you know, you, we talk about in the church your witness being everything, and when you say about, um, you would think that Christians would demand more because this this notion of witness in terms of how the world sees you reflecting your faith, you know, and, and in terms of you have to be an ambassador for your religion to the world, you would assume that in those evangelical groups, that would be one of the key issues. I mean, even ahead of pol- of the of the policies, you know, that may they may be in favor of, you would think, you know, I, and I guess that's that was part of the, the argument against Hillary Clinton in terms of she's corrupt, she's this, she's that and the other. Uh, and it's it's very interesting to see or to the, the research that evangelicals largely you know, abandoned that sort of idea. And I mean, to me that it, it just, I would assume that this is to do with, uh, to do with pride. And, but then part of me as well wonders just how many people were actually, is, is there like a brainwashing? Is there a sort of cultish feel of people that are just, you know, have been taken in by this culture of, of Trump, the person, and it's definitely understandable. He's got a, he's got a great charisma about him more so than other candidates have had. Not necessarily in terms of, I'm not saying great in terms of uh, his politics, but in terms of actually engaging the audience. I was listening to, I think it was, uh, are you familiar with Jimmy Dore and the Jimmy Dore show? Um, um, I think I've heard of it, but I don't, I yeah, don't know. So well. he's, he's a YouTuber. He's from, he's, he would be a left-wing, fairly uh, fervent sort of Bernie Sanders supporting type commentator, but um, he well, almost lost my train of thought there. <laughs> um, so uh, oh yes, sorry. They were saying that, that if you go to a Donald Trump rally, I'm pretty sure it was him, and maybe when he was on the Joe Rogan show. But they're talking about the rallies being like stand-up shows in some ways, and they're engaging people in a way that hasn't because it's funny and it's you know whether you agree yeah. or not, it's it's a funny. Th- and I just wonder how many people have been taken in. What's the percentage of people that have been taken in and bought in fully to that? And how many people? Yeah. You know, that's that would be my question. How many are the 
how many are actually the nose holders. And I guess it's hard to, to people might say in four years time when history looks less kindly, perhaps, or right. or or in a year's time when he's if he's elected, you know, someone else is elected, they may, you know, be oh, I only voted for him because, you know, I had to, I just had to do it. But then, you know, if if uh, perhaps history looked kinder on it, be like, yeah, I was in all along. You know, I just wonder what that breakdown would be like. Yeah, that would be really interesting to interesting to see. There's there's always that winner's bias in polls taken taken mm-hmm. after the election of more people saying that they voted for the winner than the loser. Um, yeah. So so that's interesting. And I, you know, it's there's 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 bits of evidence of of the, what you're talking about. Um, uh, so for instance, his his idea of drain the swamp, which he talked mm-hmm. about a lot in the 2016 election. Apparently he kind of came up with on the spot in one of his rallies and he got, he got a great reaction from it. And so he kept using it and, you know, it wasn't necessarily yeah. apparently something that he really planned out, but just kind of, kind of rolled with it because, you know, he got a, he got a good reaction. And that's that it. sort of comedian sort of aspect in terms of, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll repeat what works with the crowds. And I guess I wonder sure. is that, I'm sure he could have built his, his policy on, on what, what went well. And I'm not, I'm definitely, I'm not, <laughs> you're not going to catch me sort of comparing Trump with Hitler, but that is something I know that the Nazi party did as well. Hitler would make notes on things just, and I'm saying this purely in the perspective of yeah, two people that were engaging speakers, you know, they would make notes of what worked well and what resonated. And on the, it seems like a basic, basic element of populism. Yeah. Well, exactly on the, on the popular side of things, if you want to represent the people, you know, that would be a completely valid thing to do to see what resonates with people. And I have no objection to him building his, his policy on that. Um, but it's, you would, I would have thought, or I would have had a lot more faith perhaps in Christians uh, in, uh, you know, that they would actually be able to, to separate, you know, the, um, just the, this aspect of an engaging speaker that disagrees with, with what you believe. And yeah. someone who's less engaging but agrees, you know, I thought more people would have sided with the, the people they actually agreed with. This is a classic notion of of evangelicals is that they're embattled and they have this distance from the culture. The culture is something that you should you mm-hmm. should really keep at arm's length. Um, and political figures would seem to be a kind of, you know, a core representation of where the culture is. Right. Is mm-hmm. not necessarily something that that you can you can trust. Um so, so it's really interesting to see uh, evangelical elites, Christian right elites, and others. Not that those are really the same thing, but but mm-hmm. but coming out and offering some very spirited defenses of of the president, um, of trying to figure out ways to say that you know he's a baby Christian, that he's learning, that he you know. Yeah, I, I've had this discussion with people. Uh, we were talking about um, really the Bible holding scene, and I, I had a number of of Christian friends who. Uh, came out and kind of would post things on Facebook, such as um, this, this man represents nothing of the the Bible that I know. He's, he's not a representation. I can't, uh, you know, I can't go along with this brand of Christianity. And uh, I, I was surprised actually how many people agreed with that sentiment, but um, I I'm naturally in me, I think, you know, as a Christian, is it more effective you know, I just didn't like the kind of throwing him under the bus aspect. And that's not to say that Trump would represent Christianity in my eyes either. But um, it's interesting to think, you know, if it was uh, any other believer, you know, you would kind of take them at face value. If they say, I believe in God, you would sort of be like, oh, that's okay. But then because he's in such this, this spotlights on him, really everything that he does, people are saying, 
um, you know, I can't stand with this. He doesn't represent me. But I guess that's that's to me. I just didn't like the kind of how how nasty that kind of approach was in terms of he's not one of us. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting that uh, I mean, Trump is it's a dilemma for Christians because he's he does claim to be a Christian, but you wouldn't have you know kind I don't of. Think, <laughs> he he, cla- he claims to be he claims that he's a believer he claims these things but this is there's such a dilemma in terms of he does a lot of things that the Christians don't like and that's it's such I mean it's just, I guess everyone has to make up their own minds about the sincerity of of someone who says that but do you would you ever see then in terms of the church uh, and and Republicans evangelicals who are not who identify as Republicans do you ever think there would be a split. I've, I know, I've read some things you've written about um, the terms used was a crack up in terms of the Republicans perhaps separating yeah. our church evangelical types, you know, perhaps leaving him. Do you think there is a line he could cross where people would then think, right, that's enough. There's going to be a separation here. No. <laughs> Categorical. I, I, I really don't think so. I mean, you know, we, uh, uh, media headlines keep talking about his support dropping, and then when you look at um, when you look at his approval rating, uh, it's at the lower end maybe of where it has been in his presidency, but it's still at about forty percent, which is where it started, mm-hmm. and it hasn't changed. Um, you know, I think I think in in the twenty twenty election, he's going to get three quarters of the evangelical vote or more. Um, you know, so he's going to get really about the same proportion of, of evangelicals that he got in 2016. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I really don't think anything's going to change, but I think there's a, there's a couple things to, to kind of work through here. And, and one of them is just the degree of threat that evangelicals uh, are feeling at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that, especially from the recent ruling from the Supreme Court, that outlawed discrimination against LGBT um, Americans yes, and, and, and trans Americans as well. Wasn't it? That's right. That's right. Um, this was not something that they expected to be written by a Trump justice appointee. Um, and so that was, and it was, you know, and frankly, shocking, shocking to me as well. I did not expect that. Was that Gorsuch that wrote the majority opinion on that or which one? That's was, correct. Yeah. 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 So um, he was, he was pitched as, as someone that evangelicals would be really proud of that he mm-hmm. was going to, take a stand against the encroachment of, uh, of mm-hmm. uh, the LGBT special agenda, as they would call it. Um, but, you know, so he, he had, they had a, a major setback in that regard. And I think they see that as a, as a real threat. Mm-hmm. And they say they were saying things like, well, I guess religious freedom is over in America. Um, that's yeah. the degree of threat that they're, they're feeling at this point, that they're really under pressure or that they're not going to be able to express their views and, you know, I, frankly, I, continue I to understand. discriminate against yeah, LGBT I, Americans. I can understand some of the, I mean, I'm, to me, freedom of speech is a really important issue, but not when it, uh, not from the perspective, I don't want freedom of speech when it only helps me and doesn't help anyone else. So, um, I mean, I can understand how some people, might feel like they're sort of you know the, this these claws are sinking in or whatever but then also there's there might be things that uh, perhaps the evangelical agenda might seek to do that would uh, limit the expression of others you know so i i don't i don't yeah. like when there's this uh you know it, it's it's fine when it helps me but not when it helps other you know communities and other 
other no, people it's that a thorny, I agree. It's a thorny question, to be sure. And, uh, you know, most Americans do support religious freedom. They, they want to see people have conscience rights. Yes. And they also don't want to see people be discriminated against. In fact, most Americans actually thought that there were protections for LGBT Americans in place. So they didn't, they yeah, didn't know that it wasn't, it wasn't happening yeah. in, in many states. Um, but that's only one small part of it. Um, you know, uh, there are many folks, in, including the president, who have said in public that if uh, Democrats are elected, they're going to persecute Christians, that they're going to ban mm-hmm. the Bible. They're going to take away your right to run for office, to speak however you want. I mean, they're really yeah. going to strip for your First Amendment rights. And there's a lot of Americans that actually believe this to be true. And so once you start from that kind of place, then you can justify all kinds of things. It doesn't yeah. matter what imperfect a vessel you choose. You need to choose whatever weapon is in front of you. And if, the end fact, justifies a, the means, yeah. Yeah, if it's a bully like like Trump appears to be, uh, so much the better because at least he's on your side and, and fighting mm-hmm. for your cause. And so that kind of brings us back to the to him holding the Bible out um, next to the next to the church right outside mm-hmm. of the White House. Yes. He, you know, presidents, presidents have, have frequently um, used biblical imagery um, in times of crisis, but they use it in entirely different ways than, than this president has. They reach out and they use very general terms, inclusive terms, comforting terms, you know, that, that God is in control and he's going to bring us together and bring it, it us. It was a strange this, gesture you know. for sure. You know, I've oh, never... it's holding up a sword. You know, I yeah. mean, this is like, I'm, well, I'm here. I'm still here with this Bible. I'm going to protect you against the yep. the invading hordes. And an appeal, it's an appealing notion. I can understand this for a lot of people, especially if this is something that's uh, that you're getting fed perhaps day by day. I don't know whether, you know, this, uh, this sort of leads into are people getting both sides of, are they exposing themselves to different opinions often enough? But, you know, if people are getting fed this idea of we're under siege, then it would be reasonable to see them react favorably to someone who's fighting for them, whether they're, they don't look perfect, you know? So, I mean, it's, it was a very strange situation. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it, but you know, I don't really, I don't even know. We what haven't to either. Think, you know, I don't even know what to think, you know, it's one of those things you just see it and you just think this is it. I mean, you know, the word unprecedented gets thrown around a lot, but you know, it's, I guess it is unprecedented in terms of, he just kind of held it up and walked away. There wasn't, there wasn't those words. And I really, I mean, when I saw the press conference before that, I thought, right, well, you know, here comes Donald Trump's going to go here and make a speech perhaps about how, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm here for law and order. You know, I, I love that you are protesting, but perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm also going to stand up for the police in this situation. You know, I thought there was going to be some words of perhaps trying to stitch that wound a little bit, but, was kind of just walk over hold and then leave you know and that would have been a perfect i mean i don't know i i just think that um if i was involved in his staff you know that would have been such a great uh image really for him to have perhaps approached uh the church staff that were working with the protesters you know for him to be seen to go there to meet with the people you know that would have helped his image a lot more i would have thought than than kind of walk hold go you know but it's um, i don't know i guess it's just for the photo but it's, it's appealing seems, to the base. It seems easy. This was this is a time where you offer some platitudes about uh, racial reconciliation and coming yep, together as one in a country yep. to make some progress. And 
let people interpret that as the, as they will. Um, but that's, you know, that's not the game that he's playing clearly. And maybe mm-hmm. his staff wanted to do that, but he, he clearly shows that he's willing to go yeah. his own, his own way. So that, I mean, that picture did send, I think a very strong signal and some liked that signal and many really did not like that signal mm-hmm. and, and kind of all the build up to get to that, to get to that photo op um, really struck yep. people the wrong way, but many really thought like, this is, this is who he is. And this is, he's, he's standing up for, for our side. And that Bible mm-hmm. really stands for, you know, kind of the yep. white Christian community at this point, even though obviously it's not exclusive to them. No. So you don't think there to come back to that, you don't think there's a line that he could cross from your research or opinion that, that would sort of drive away Christian support. Is there, is there a line you know, if he came out, perhaps he said, just say, for example, he said, um, gay marriage you know that this is something that maybe should be on the cards let's just say that came out do you think that would he did he did say that back in the 2016 election that he was going to protect gay rights uh he, he hasn't really supported yeah. that during his administration um and it didn't seem to turn many away mm-hmm. um in 2016 um you know we we've tried to push in a couple of different directions like in just before the election we did an experiment where we gave people a snippet of an op-ed and it was a sort of mm-hmm. never Trumper um, op-ed that said that, you know, frankly, his, his, his logic is demonic. This was from an evangelical Christian that wow. saw real dangers in Donald Trump. And so we used some of that language and, mm-hmm. and uh, the views of, of Trump dropped a little bit. They, they dimmed slightly among evangelicals, but not nearly mm-hmm. to a place where they would, maybe vote for the other side. Um, yeah, I think I read something that you'd bit. written. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think I uh, yeah. read something you'd written where, um, did you say part of the issue was that if there were evangelical leaders against Donald Trump, this the the average person perhaps hadn't heard or didn't hear this kind of, you know, That's right. backlash? Yeah, there, there, were, there were evangelicals that were willing to take some kind of middle ground and say, at the very least, we should maintain our distance and some skepticism of, of who this man is. Um, but they weren't really well known and, and people didn't understand the kind of positions that they were taking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you just from a straightforward sort of accumulation of being exposed to these sorts of views, you're hearing much more from evangelicals that we're all in. Um, mm-hmm. from leaders that were willing to say, Hey, this, this is our vehicle. We're going to, we're going to go with this. We're going to go for it. Um, yeah. he may not be perfect, but you know, we like him and we trust him. Um, or some that were saying, you know, he's, he's a good Christian candidate. So, you know, if you're hearing that mm-hmm. on a regular basis from people you trust, then, you know, what, why yeah. would you question it? It's, it's just, an, I, it's a really interesting, um, like the Donald Trump question for Christians. It's interesting to me to, to kind of wrap my head around it. You know, I'm, I, probably would have i mean i've admitted to people i probably would have in that election voted for donald trump because if i was american because i would have had more faith in his ability to become because i i remember on the night of his election he came out and he kind of he, he actually made a very good speech about you know now's the time to come together as all president you know people get elected tend to do i have probably would have had more faith than people did in the white house even the like of mike pence who like him or not dislike him i thought people like that would have maybe shaped him into the more presidential character but i mean i don't know if that's exactly panned out the way i would have expected so i mean it would be interesting for me to see how if there's people that were in the same boat as me would they you know uh perhaps think of switching or even uh, not voting at all you know that's that's the next logical step that you just don't vote 
or vote the Republican ticket. And it's it's an yeah. opportunity missed in some ways that there wasn't a stronger Democratic candidate, in my opinion. Um, even like I was I was listening to the like of uh, Tulsi Gabbard or people like that. Even Amy Klobuchar, people are more you're more um, articulate in their way of speaking that just didn't quite make the cut. And I think if, you know, that, that could have changed enough minds, perhaps at least people in the middle ground, but um, it's, I mean, it'll be interesting to me to see how this affects the kind of rate of people actually turning out to vote, because For I sure. think that's, that's her, that's how we might see the, the backlash or the change rather than people voting the other way. It'll be the people that just don't show up, you know? No, I think you're exactly right. Um, so, so, Donald Trump said, you know, tons of polling at this point being done. Um, and the, uh, the inclination to vote for Trump has actually dropped a little bit over the past few months. Um, but it hasn't gone over to Biden. It's gone over to, I don't know, or I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah so, so I think you're right that it probably won't go the other side. And there might be a slightly higher rate of evangelicals or others that sit home um, on election day, but you know, there's a lot of time between now and then it's, it's unclear how things are going to go and, you know, they could get just as riled up. I mean, obviously there's going to be a huge turnout operation on, on the Republican side to, to get people to the polls. Cause they understand this exact, this exact yeah. problem. So. The last three months feel like three years really in terms of the campaign, you know, that's where yeah. I guess it's all, it's all uh, settled, but this is interesting because it actually, it's a similar, um, you know, a similar, um, issue to this idea I was reading about um, how you've been doing research on the religious kind of nuns the people who put down nothing as their right. religion you know and I guess that's similar to how people then politically might just not turn up or not vote you know at all um, rather than voting for Donald Trump and um, you've been doing some work I guess on people who have you've maybe used to identify as Protestant or evangelical Christians that have then now rather than becoming atheists they've become kind of uh, uh, well I should say, rather than becoming um, kind of hardline atheists, they're more like, I don't know, or I'm not sure, people that are disenfranchised almost from their church because they don't feel like it represents them. Um, yeah. do you, is, that, is that something that's um, still happening where this rate of, is, are people still dropping away from the church or what, what has your research shown in that regard? Right. So it really, it really started um, to, 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 trend upward at about 1994, 1995. And what's interesting then is that's, that's when Republicans took control of Congress for the first time in 40 years. Um, and it was kind of the first sort of big showing of, of the Christian right um, being, you know, in control and operative in American politics. And that's when the rate of the nuns starts to go up from about 5%. And it, it kept rising um, up until about 2018 to maybe 25 to 30 percent, depending on depending on the polls. Mm-hmm. Um, our most recent read suggests that maybe it's starting to level off, um, but it all depends. It's just one data point, but that mm-hmm. data point wasn't going up like we expected it to yeah. keep doing, and it kind of leveled off. Um, so we'll see what 2020 surveys um, tell us uh, mm-hmm. about about that rate. But it had it had just a, just a steady steady rate of increase all across mm-hmm. that period from 1995 to almost 2020. 
Um, and we found that, you know, politics is really driving people's decisions in church when, when they disagree yeah. politically, and especially if they aren't really well connected within the congregation. So if they're not very active, they're not attending very much, mm-hmm. then they might use that, that distance, that political distance to make a decision to, to leave the congregation. Yeah, that, that was my next question. And, and that can be, you know, that could be taken at face value for, you know, uh, you would think a lot of things contribute to people dropping away, but in yeah. your opinion, then this political link or people politics from the pulpit, this is playing a part really in the people leaving. Yeah, well, I think you're exactly right. I think there's a lot of things that can do that. And and I think our official position among the, the co-authors that did that work is that politics is just one of many things that they might mm-hmm. use so they can feel like no one here really kind of represents my interests. Nobody's interested in cycling in this congregation. So why yeah. would I stay, you know, what have you. So there's a lot of things that might contribute, but politics is one that's very present and very mm-hmm. personal. Um, and so they could use that. In fact, we found that the disagreement over Trump in 2016 drove people out of their churches. So there were some okay. evangelicals that weren't on the Trump train as we know. Um, and a good number of those folks actually left their congregations uh, as a result. So, you know, it kind of plays out. It's on the left, it's on the right, it's in the center. Um, politics can be driving people out, you know, kind of no matter where it is. And so, mm-hmm. so this is actually something kind of curious. You know, we're, we're talking here and this, our conversation is, is suffused with, you know, politics and religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found out that, uh, that, that politics wasn't incredibly commonly talked about. And okay. clergy actually weren't talking about Trump that often. Um, so there wasn't really sort of a bunch of platoons That's out there that were mobilizing the troops to, to talk about it. And I think it's because of this dynamic that they're really sort of afraid yeah. of their, their congregations falling apart mm-hmm. on, on, you know, for political reasons. Yeah, I've, I've experienced this before. I mean, I, I would say that um, in the UK, my experience, uh, the church as a whole in terms of their political views I would say are more liberal than the American evangelical, you know, that that more liberal than what their views would be. I see when I think of the church in America, it's very, and I've I've heard this from different people uh, that have lived there or or, are from there, but, you know, pro Republican, pro Israel in some extent, you know, Zionist kind of these sort of things, these very conservative viewpoints, very anti-abortion, very anti-gay, you know, that's, these are the things that sort of that come to mind about, uh, the American evangelical political stance. Whereas mm-hmm. I, in my experience in the UK, what I've found is that the church tend to have more of a liberal viewpoint. And that was almost, I, I'm probably someone with more naturally conservative inclinations, which is the, I definitely feel like the minority for sure in that. I remember when Brexit happened, I was one of the only people that I knew that was even for Brexit, you know, and that's not, again, like I don't want to, this is nothing about, uh, People said, oh, you're all, all Brexiteers are racist and all this sort of thing. You know, it's nothing necessarily to do with that. And I guess that misunderstanding is what's, uh, you know, it, it's causing, it caused such a division in the UK on, on that issue. But I find, you know, in church over the next months and years, I would hear more about this. People would talk about the great negatives in the world, the great uh, sort of evil forces. And you would hear these things round off. Donald Trump, Brexit, all these things that are, you know, they're just, it just always came in a sequence of things that are bad in the world. And like when you see the Trumps of the world mm-hmm. and the Brexit happening, you know, and I, it actually, yeah. it posed such an issue to me in terms of, <clears throat> I then experienced perhaps what uh, the people that you're talking to in your research are experiencing in terms of how political viewpoints expressed from the pulpit can actually really turn people off. 
from their yeah. congregation particularly for me it wouldn't have driven me away from my faith but it definitely would have driven me away you know from particular church events or whatever you know that sure would have, i would have thought you know if certain people are speaking if i'm if there's this event happening and there's someone speaking you know i would think oh well i, I don't know if i want to go there because it's just going to be rattled off about how people who vote the way i vote are are against the church you know and this is something i can definitely understand how politics from the pulpit is can can turn people off i also understand how it can be uh, an excuse in some ways um but it's it, to me it's just very interesting how there's differing sort of viewpoints in terms of the church uh culture almost that i would say yeah. over here it's definitely very liberal but over in america it would be the church is almost synonymous with conservatism so yeah in um, some ways except you know there's there's plenty of congregations out there that that are quite liberal that that take, yeah you know you know moderate to liberal stances on on a lot of things and of course the denominational bodies themselves mm-hmm. um, depending on which ones we're talking about tend tend to lean pretty liberal there was a you know, very large uh, grouping of of evangelical denominations actually that came out in favor of of combating climate change, for instance. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, and they they a lot of signatories to reform immigration in a way that was a little bit more humane, and certainly wouldn't agree with the way that that Donald Trump has gone on immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of different viewpoints, but but you're right. At least the way that the probably public thinks about yes, American religion yeah. is it's synonymous with conservatism. Well, and in some ways that's, that's a, that's a real shame because there's yeah. a really vibrant debate that can go on uh, amongst religious believers and, and others um, over the direction of public and policy. That's definitely what I'm seeking to provide in terms of these podcasts. I would talk to anyone from any persuasion because I think that talking about these issues is the best way to obviously um, for people to learn and see where they actually, what they actually believe, what they think about, you know, so that's, it's definitely, sure. it's, uh, it was tricky for me to, to have a lot kind of thrown at me. And, you know, I wanted to, talk to people from all viewpoints so that um so there was that broad sort of reflection of all the different views that are that are in the church um you know community but i guess where i'm going with this is if you if we're thinking of the survival i guess of the church when people say it's only a, a generation away from extinction is more political engagement something that you believe would be harmful in terms of the church or is is should the church then stay out of it more and sort of not really engage with political issues which which is more likely to to drive these nuns these people that are leaving you know yeah no it's really it's a really difficult question and and a thorny one um and i think that that many people have come down on the side of being relevant of staying relevant and engaging in in modern culture and its problems and i think um, some, and I, I probably put myself in this camp, um, although I'm not part of our congregation, to say that you might want to stop short of, of advocating for particular policies, but especially for advocating for particular candidates, that that's the part that's really off-putting to, to many people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, cross, and trying to cross that line of, of political partisanship is, is something that you know, almost no one can do at this point. No one's willing to change their, their partisan affiliation. Um, for almost any reason. So, so going, going that far is probably is problematic, but uh, you know, people do want some robust engagement with a, a kind of orientations, values, worldviews um, that would help them make decision, good decisions and, and decisions mm-hmm. that they can be proud of um, across, across their life, whether it's about consumer consumerism or political choices or personal choices. And so continue to have a robust kind of values and worldviews um, discussion 
I think is something that would would turn many people on and, and not turn mm-hmm. too many people off. But once once it gets attached to a particular candidate, mm-hmm. um, you know, then it becomes problematic and and probably tends to taint a lot of what they want to do, uh, what they want to do in the in the world. So, yeah. kind of maintaining that this is something I think that probably applies to a lot of groups is maintaining a sense of independence. Mm-hmm. Right. Of, you know, we're going to offer our perspective and, and not get tied to any other organization, maintain our distinctiveness and our, 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 our mission mm-hmm. um, in the world is, is probably the place to, to head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My opinion naturally probably would have been that, uh, like you said, that the, the church would refrain from endorsements of people, endorsements of even parties in some regards, rather they, uh, so, like they support in the in a loose sense for example i have i would have no objection to christian groups meeting with the prime minister and for a prayer breakfast you know those kind of things or even the president you know when i see church leaders in the oval office i think that to me is a positive you know that's that's what i like to see but what i don't like to see necessarily is them stumping for the person and saying well this person is is who represents me because then you get into tricky territory. If someone digs up a tweet from five years ago, then their whole, your whole thing collapses and you suddenly, oh, he's a neo-Nazi. If hypocrisy and, was a thing anymore, then yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, I mean, this is the thing. Someone, people dig these things up and then uh, suddenly everything's tainted and then that changes the people's view of the church. And it's all, like you said, it's very thorny and it gets to a stage of, of where it's, it's, it's damaging, you know, so there definitely needs to be this caution in terms of treading in that direction, in my opinion. But um, I think I would probably, I, I can understand how people like to see, you know, at least some sort of engagement with the issues, even a mild form of, of lobbying, but um, yeah, endorsement to me. Yeah. I, I would agree. That seems, that would seem bridged too far in my opinion. So, I mean, well, you know, and I think it, I think it extends one, one more step beyond that. I think, you know, when, when politicians, sort of transgress those values, then they probably should be called out, you know, even if they tend to support your, your side, you know, mm-hmm. so if a left-leaning kind of religious organization sees a Democrat in the United States that suddenly makes a decision that runs counter to those values, yeah. they should be held to account. I mean, that's kind of the, the mm-hmm. core. If those values actually matter, then, then you need to act on them. Yeah. Um, just like any interest group or lobbying organization would, would do, so, you know, I think that's part of that kind of robust kind of conversation, which I think would involve politics, but but probably mandates that it stay, uh, keep its independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's something you could you could talk about forever. And that's it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like I'm sure you've, you find over your years of studying all this, the more you dig, the more you're left scratching your head, probably in, in a lot of cases. Um, Makes for a great class. Yeah. So I, that's what I was actually going to talk about. How? In terms of teaching this subject, um, do you find, I've heard of a lot of um, university scholars and lecturers, especially in the US, that are now finding that um, the things, the classes they're teaching, the things they're saying, they're finding they're kind of walking on eggshells a bit more. Is this something that you've experienced, um, you know, in terms of the subject you're teaching being controversial, you know, it's by its very nature, you know, do you find that, um, that you're having to do that more these days? Mm. Um, well, one of the, one of the benefits I think of, of teaching religion and politics is that, um, especially some of the many young, young, uh, students that I, that I teach don't approach this with, um, 
much religious skin in the game. Uh, many of them are nuns and they, they yeah. frankly don't know very much about religion. So a lot of it is, is new information. They, they frankly are, are fairly negative about religion. And so I find myself kind of taking a more religious side. I teach them about religion more mm-hmm. rather than just talking about these issues. I have to tell them about, about these groups. They don't know what an evangelical is. They have some stereotypes, but they don't mm-hmm. really know. And um, so I can really, you know, kind of give them a nice baseline of, of information. But, you know, some of these, some of these uh, issues are, are, so th- are, are so fun and have such ramifications for mm-hmm. even groups and concerns that they share um, that, you know, it, it leads them in, in kind of new directions. So, you know, looking at um, maybe, maybe this new decision that supported uh, funding, state funding for religious organizations, they might see that, be able to see that as equal treatment, um, as not discriminating against a particular group in society. There's mm-hmm. a number of different ways of seeing that yeah. decision, of course, but, um, but they can understand the general principles and, mm-hmm. and start to, you know, develop some empathy. So, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, um, I haven't shied away, I think, from, from looking at yeah. these groups critically. I think, you know, it, uh, that's the old, that's the way we have to go. That's, yeah, and this, this, is, this is what I wonder, you know, how much you, you see a lot of extreme cases being, um, you know, coming up on, on YouTube. And when you hear people talking about how, um, on their campus, there's, there's a lot of, uh, culture in terms of censoring what people say and how they say it or support for particular views i was more wondering has that is that something that has come up in your establishment yeah fortunately we've uh we haven't had those sorts of experiences That's we good. haven't had you know kind of the major protests about what a particular professor has said or or that sort of thing but you know there but for the grace of god go we you know i'm sure yeah. that that could happen yeah. um you know and i just i just continue to try to to not push my own views um about mm-hmm. any religious group this isn't about my opinions this is about what what the research shows or what kind of logic mm-hmm. Um, how we would work through some of these issues about, say, the Supreme Court um, based on constitutional principles. So, you know, if we if we stick to kind of social science methodology, I think that puts us on firm ground and allows mm-hmm. us to be hopefully more open-minded about, yeah. about evaluating these groups and issues. Is that where you think yeah. the danger comes, you know, from, from being opinionated rather than following, you know, strictly the research and what, what the research shows and, and talking about it in a more objective way? Uh, level you know is that you think the danger comes more from where people start to draw their own conclusions and then I guess almost indoctrinate their their people is that where the danger starts to come from I think so I think so um I you know you frankly don't see too many of um of these debates really coming from the social sciences um in the sciences uh you know those that stick to a methodology where they can kind of point to the data and about their conclusions, um, Mm -hmm. you know, have have a firmer foundation or, you know, get a a more open-minded kind of view than someone Mm -hmm. who's saying like, so-and-so is a Nazi or whatever. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I would be worried. I think if I was a lecturer just by, you know, especially in America, because you you wonder when will the day come when someone digs up something about, you know, is there, it just seems to be, there's no doubt. Yeah. it, It seems like it's promoted these days to, I heard some crazy stuff about um, some college campuses having um, posters down the corridors, kind of like hotlines you can ring to report your your lecture, you know, and this is something that it's, it's troubling to me to hear that this is going on. Yeah, well, especially now that uh, a lot of our classes have gone online, 
um, right. yes. more of our more of our classes are being you know put online and and anybody can can see them uh, and that means that you know you can take any line out of context and do whatever you want with them so the, so that 's been more more of a danger i think um, and a worry that you know perhaps our open lines of communication or free open dialogue is is going to be impinged because there 's sort of too much public scrutiny but i I certainly haven 't gotten. Uh, much at, at all about that that kind of treatment from from my students. I mean, I think we're all pretty much, you know, uh, open open to debate pretty much everything, which that's is good. great. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's you just hope that all campuses can be like you know people acting like uh, grown adults, really. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess it's it's a lot to ask almost in some regards, but um, yeah, the world's kind of going. You know, well, I think most that. of them are. I mean, these are these are pretty isolated incidents that, yeah. that you hear, you know. So well, this is this is what I wanted to get your perspective on. Is it a widespread issue, or is this something that you know is more isolated? But it's it's good to hear that yeah. that's not something that's made its way into your your world just yet. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and there's actually been some more systematic research that looks at this and really doesn't find any evidence of indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Um, students aren't. If they're getting more liberal across across four years, it's because they're associating with more liberal students yeah. that they haven't been exposed to before. So you'll find students kind of going more conservative if they if they happen to be hanging out with yeah. more conservative students. You know, it's more of course about peer pressure, of course, than it mm-hmm. is about us. You know, we want our students to read the syllabus, and we're pretty happy if that happens. So uh, yeah. you know, it's not too surprising that what we say doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Um, but most of us just aren't in the we're not in the ball game of of trying to change our students' political mm-hmm. positions. That's just yeah. not. You know, even for a political scientist, that's not what I'm about. I'm about mm-hmm. you know teaching them to to evaluate things in a critical way, according to a particular methodology, mm-hmm. and learning about the way the political system works. And that's not a partisan game. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to get your perspective on that. Um, finally, I was going to ask you just, um, I heard uh, or I read about this uh, shift, I guess, coming back to um, to more of your research kind of topics, but um, I, I read that there's more uh, evangelicals and Christians these days that would identify in, in terms of some topics as permissive of things, but still against. So, I guess it's something that is is more common these days than it used to be. It used to be you weren't permissive and you weren't you were against it, you know. But is is this something that's more common these days where people are if you take the example of gay marriage, um people are saying, Well, that's up to them, they want to do that, but I'm not for it. But I'll you know, I'll yeah. allow them to do it. Is that is this a, a more reasonable perhaps concession that the church can give, this kind of attitude of being permissive of things that they disagree with? Or is this something that perhaps is then further diluting the the church message? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. This is brand new uh, research that we've been doing um, that looks at this kind of gap. Um, do you support the rights, for instance, like you mm-hmm. said, of of LGBT Americans to same sex marriage, um, but maybe you don't support uh, homosexual sexual relations? Um, and there there is a gap there, and more likely to support the right than they are mm-hmm. the relations. Um, you know, and you could see that as a as a dilution of the message, but it's kind of a core American ideal of sort of live and let live. Yeah. Um, so at least for American democracy, there's one hopeful sign that I've seen lately. And, and this is perhaps yeah. one of them is that there has been this broad right um, uh, to equal treatment with regard to marriage and now in, in job discrimination. 
Um, and people seem committed to that, even if they don't necessarily like the group. Um, mm -hmm. This is, you know, this is what political tolerance is. And this mm -hmm. is the way that you have a democracy is you s extend equal rights, even to groups that you dislike. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, it probably does dilute the church's message a little bit, but the church has changed on a lot of different positions. And in fact, we just found the other day that there's a vast majority of evangelicals that support women being clergy. Uh, right, this is yes. not something. It, there's a vast majority of Catholics that support women being clergy. This is something. This is something where the church has changed. Churches mm -hmm. have changed dramatically um, across time. There were at one point, um, you know, African Americans weren't allowed to be members of a number of churches, and of course, right. racial equality yeah. is something that all American churches, for the most part, would would support. And so, you know, the church continues to adopt, adapt mm -hmm. with culture um, over time. And it's, you know, not necessarily an easy conversation, but mm -hmm. one that actually does take place and, and there is change. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenging conversation, yeah. but I keep coming back to what's the benefit for democracy. And at least here mm -hmm. we see a really hopeful yeah. sign um, that maybe this one element of tension in our politics might get resolved. And the reason I think this probably jumped out at me, I think I saw it on a little widget somewhere. It was like a Twitter feed. Um, the reason it jumps out at me is because um, I don't know, I wouldn't expect you to be familiar with Northern Irish politics in terms of in the UK, you know, we have a devolved government in terms of Northern sure. Ireland, you know, having their own, it's almost like a state government, I guess. But we are the party that has been the dominant party in Northern Irish politics has been one that the DUP they're called, which is firmly... Right. a religious uh, party. So they, for example, if I vote for the DUP as the, people are voting for them because of their unionist perspective in terms of Northern Ireland remaining in the United Kingdom, that's why people are voting for the DUP. But when you vote for them, you're really voting as well for um, a, quite a hard line stance on their anti-same-sex um, marriage, anti-abortion, anti-basically anything that's not from Christian, you know, ideals that are... Um, policies that don't conform to their particular Christian views. And I guess it, that, it was interesting to me that um, I've, from as a Christian in Northern Ireland, to me, the most reasonable point of view would have been to allow these things to happen, but not condone them, perhaps in your personal Christian walk. And this is something that, for, the, for a party that's so integrated in terms of uh, religious viewpoints and politics, you know, that's it's interesting to see. I, I just wondered, are they um, doing more harm than good to their, I guess, uh, both to their party and their faith by just being so hardline and, and not allowing things that don't conform to your religion? I always thought they were doing more harm by by just yeah. battering on and saying, no, you can't get married, you can't do this, because people have voted us in because these are linked in. You know, they're voting for us for a different reason, but really, you know, it's all in the manifesto, so I guess they have no... Uh, reason to complain but um you know they i just wondered is it doing more harm than good for them to keep going on about it you know yeah it's really interesting um you know and so my my general reaction would be that uh that protestants in northern ireland are under a great deal of pressure um mm -hmm. and there's there's value for for the party in trying to keep a separation with the other side. And so you can do that on, on a number of different lines and they, they could overlap with an economic line. They could economic or overlap with a social line or a religious line. And here it's kind of probably has all three. 
Um, and so maintaining these barriers between your group and the other side prevents this sort of dilution of, mm-hmm. of ideas. And, you know, you're going to support us because everything is at stake. Your moral yeah. values are at stake and your social it's a package deal. Yeah. Package deal. Right. And so, you know, when you start to kind of tinker on the, on the lines here and say, and be sort of more libertarian and say, you can take whatever position you want on, on abortion or, or mm-hmm. marriage or what have you. Um, you know, maybe you start to consider the other side and think it wouldn't matter so much if, if the other side was, was, in, was in power. Yeah, uh, I, I understand the hesitancy to abortion in terms of, I guess, your perspective on whether that baby, that fetus is a human being. You know, I can understand how that would be something that people, I suppose, rightly, if they believe it's a person, should be more resistant to changing. In terms of same-sex marriage, I, when people... If you were to say to someone you voted for the DUP, now bear in mind they're the ma- the majority party. If if you were to say that you voted for the DUP, the first thing people would think is probably you're a homophobe or something. You're some kind of bigot, and I just always thought, you know, that's isn't that a shame where the majority of people are really being apologetic for a viewpoint that they probably really don't care that much on. And a lot of a lot of Christians here, um, the, I guess it's the it's a particular. Um, branch of, of a particular denomination that that is uh, steering that party, but um, a lot of people probably would be hesitant to um, to change that from being a policy to being an opinion. Uh, but I, I guess my perspective always was that people will have a more favorable view on your faith if you were to take hands off the the political or the the state, you know, and just keep it as something that you know rightfully the church shouldn't have to condone it, but in terms of like legally and and the state shouldn't uh, have any restriction on things that aren't harming other people you know and that's yeah. that that to me it's just interesting that that topic came up because that's something that's really relevant in, in northern irish culture you know yeah it's really really difficult situation i think you know if, if there if there was less pressure on the party system to maintain those kind of really tight boundaries you mm-hmm. see a lot more fluidity here and a lot more kind of social change but uh but i think that continued you know we need to keep this keep this together because that's the only thing holding holding the unionist kind of perspective together you know there's yeah. a lot of different views on this but that's that's my best guess of it's, about it's what's the separation of church and state issue really and mm. i was saying actually in, in the previous person i was talking to about how it's interesting that america is designed for there to be a separation of church and state but just how intermingled everything is you know religion is so intermingled with their politics and it's the same here we don't have that built in but almost in the uk i would say even though the queen is the head of the church that it's almost becoming more and more secular and it's it's interesting that america being very pro separation of church and state it's almost becoming more and more integrated so opposite opposite direction Yeah. yeah some people would say it's because of the free market (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a conversation probably for another day <laughs> yeah yeah in some ways that's right yeah um but yeah. uh no i think uh I've, I've taken up a lot of your time and i just i really appreciate you coming and just chatting through these issues um of course it's, it's been pleasure, great Josh. no it's it's been great to have to have you on and just um i think it's just really helpful um I guess a lot of this research is coming from a secular perspective, but um, it's subjective. It's not uh, steeped in opinion. Uh, it's interesting for me as a Christian and for people who may be watching from a church background to, to get insights into what is turning people off, what helps bring people in, what is helpful, you know, what do, what do we need? What do we look out for? You know, uh, that's, I think it's, that's a really helpful self-critique of, you know, we should be looking and reflecting on, 
is what we're doing reflecting us and our faith well or are we actually doing more harm than good and that i guess that's why i wanted to have you on to sort of talk through these things um if you have any parting comments or wisdom if you were someone that was uh, steering religious people in the future what from all your research what would you say is something that um the church should watch out for that's actually perhaps doing more harm than good you know something that maybe the church is supporting or even american evangelicals or things that they're doing that um they might be thinking they're doing like you know they're doing the right thing by supporting this but actually they're doing more harm yeah that's there that's that's a really it's continued to be a really long conversation and and a difficult one um you know, and in some ways, it's sort of it's sort of not the goal of my research to kind of help religion do its job better. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I kind of approach this That's from how do, how do we make democracy better, and and what are the what are the sort of barriers to, to mm-hmm. continuing these amazing institutions that we've developed over the past several hundred years? But but I think you know there there is some value in pluralism. Um, quite a bit of value in pluralism of having these different perspectives uh, be vibrant and and robust in public debate. Uh, and the more that they get, like to go back to part of the conversation we had, the more that they get attached to specific parties and personalities uh, does a great disservice to democratic deliberation. So maintaining that distinctiveness and, mm-hmm. and holding firm to to a set of values that people can understand and respect is um, is probably the best best approach perfect thanks very much paul dupe um it just it's been great talking to you and um and if there's is there anything you're on twitter um do you want to call you paul dupe on twitter and uh people can check out your work if they want to um to see more religion in public religion in public dot blog is where uh, a lot of these views get expressed of our research get expressed and it's a great blog i've been uh, sort of dipping in and out to find things to talk about so um i encourage everyone to check that out especially if you're interested in this but uh yeah we'll leave it there thanks so much and uh um Thank thanks you. for thanks for watching everyone who's joined in